Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to the program. It is Glenn Beck and Stu here for a Friday. Uh, Today, uh, we have a doctor who is getting in trouble because he apparently uh, doesn't like masks all that much uh, and now is involved in multiple lawsuits. We have Bill O'Reilly, who's on for the hour, and he goes, it's pretty interesting. I mean, it's uh, a lot of people were upset at what he said, uh, and he's, you know, Bill doesn't care. He's going to always say what he thinks is true. Do you think it's true? You can hear that with Bill O'Reilly in our uh, two. Also, Alan Dershowitz uh, joins the program today to talk about where uh, where the election stuff is going. Um, Glenn is up in Washington, D.C. for the show. He is going to uh, the White House Christmas party uh, tonight. Uh, so it is, uh, it's an interesting show, live from D.C., uh, Glenn Beck program. By the way, don't forget to get your Christmas supplies. You don't, you don't have much time to get them. Make sure you get your Christmas stuff for all the people you know who think Nancy Pelosi sucks. Uh, go to stewdoesmerch.com. There, we have the Nancy Pelosi sucks t-shirt. You have the Nancy Pelosi uh, sucks mug, which is incredibly classy for the holidays. You also have the, I'll just say it, blow me t-shirt. Which you say, well, that's an offensive thing to say, Stu. Well, it, if you look at the picture, it's not. It's it's Nancy Pelosi at the hair salon getting her hair blown out. Uh, you can get that as well at uh, Stu Does Merch or uh, shop.blazemedia.com. Here's the podcast. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. To NBC News, Dr. LaTulip uh, in July allegedly told a patient who asked for guidance on when to get tested for coronavirus that uh, asystematic people should not be tested and that wearing a mask does not prevent transmission. The doctor directed the patient not to self-isolate because being around other people would provide immunity from COVID-19, according to the state board's documents. The medical board found that he and his staff refused to wear masks in the clinic and urged patients to remove their own masks. Medical board investigators who visited Latulip in his uh, office said there were no screening procedures upon entering the premises, no hand sanitizers available in the waiting area, which now means this doctor constitutes an immediate danger to the public and presents a serious danger to public health and safety. He has lost his license now to practice medicine. He is joining us now, along with his attorney, Dr. Stephen Latulip, and uh, it's Mariah Gondiero. Uh, welcome, doctor. Thank you very much, Glenn. Pleasure to be here. Um, first of all, let me let me see if we have the facts right on this. They say that you uh, told a patient not to self-isolate uh you told them not to wear masks and when one of them uh, said they were going to wear a mask you dropped them as a patient 
Is is that true? That is all completely incorrect. The truth of the matter is that I gave my patients an informed consent about the mask. Uh, I practice evidence-based medicine, and I seem to be uh, trying to be told that I have to follow an executive order provided to me by our governor. Um, I don't tell her to how to practice her job, how to do her job. Um, I feel that I need to treat my patients according to the real evidence of medicine. I never once have fired a patient ever uh, for any reason other than being extremely rude or, or disruptive, obnoxious to my staff. Secondly, I have always allowed patients to wear masks with no problems. I don't harass them. I simply give them an, an informed consent and I say, make your best decision on that. And if uh, they choose to wear a mask, then I allow them to do that. Uh, they lied about me having no sanitizer. The sanitizer is in the front just behind uh, at the window because uh, there was concern about people stealing it initially. We have sanitizers. We sanitize each room before and after uh, every patient is evaluated. And um, we also have seen every COVID suspect patient at the end of the day, isolated completely from all my other patients. But the Oregon Medical Board never asked me about any of my protocol. They just stated I am not using a protocol. And that is just simply not true. So let me ask your attorney, um, because you're an attorney that is uh, a, a firm that generally takes on religious cases. Uh, you advocate for faith and freedom. Is this a is this a faith question or is this a freedom question or is it both? Well, this is definitely a freedom question, and I think what's really ultimately happening is political retaliation. You'll see in the order that they claim this is an emergency, but the first complaint that was filed was back in July. If this was an emergency, they would have filed something then. They had the evidence then, and they didn't file an emergency suspension. What happened is my client committed the greatest offense of all. He attended a Trump rally recently, and it was after that that the board suspended his license. So to me, this appears to just be political re retaliation and also a violation of, of his due process rights. They didn't give him adequate notice. They didn't give him an opportunity to object or a hearing. They just simply called him up and said, we're terminating your license. Didn't give him an explanation at all. So you have, you have said that Fauci is a fraud, um, which you have every right to say. I don't know why all of a sudden it's, uh, well, Fauci has become our golden calf, I think. Um, but you say he's a fraud, especially on the mask thing, and you make a very good point about hydroxychloroquine. Can you explain what you mean by Fauci is a fraud on this? Yes, it's very simple to put forth. Dr. Fauci's standard, if you will, is that uh, regarding the use of hydroxychloroquine to treat COVID-19, he makes one simple statement. There is no randomized control study. So based on using 
quote the Fauci standard, uh, I would ask anyone to say, show me one good quality study, one randomized control study that shows me convincingly that the mask actually prevents COVID or helps to reduce COVID infection. I could easily argue based on scientific methods that the opposite may very well be true and perhaps that ought to be investigated, but nobody seems to be interested in that because ultimately it comes down to obedience to whoever uh, the current um, chiefs are saying. Uh, it, it doesn't matter what real science demonstrates to us, but if you look before March of 2020, you see a completely different standard. And then when it became opportunistic for Dr. Fauci to change his tune and now say, oh, let's wear a mask now. He suggested possibly wearing goggles. I was actually waiting for them to say, let's use earplugs too. That way we can be deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> so um, why do you suppose all of this is happening? Uh, why are they coming after doctors uh, like this? Uh, they are coming after the doctors. The key issue that the media, or excuse me, that the uh, po population is confused about is that uh, of the question of early treatment versus no treatment. If you are an independent physician, such as the COVID-19 task force, or the frontline doctors with which uh, group I affiliate, we argue that there is a very effective early treatment uh, that can keep everybody out of the hospital. I have done that, uh, but if I am an institutional physician or a hired hand, then I must absolutely say there is no treatment. And in fact, the Oregon Medical Board declared that uh, point blank, there is no effective early treatment at that at this time, and that is frankly a lie. I have only treated about 100 COVID patients uh, from start to finish, but the fact remains that every single patient that I treated, uh, the very next day when I would call them and ask them, how are you doing? They said, wow, thank you, doc. I'm feeling so much better already. And every one of them by about one week's time are chomping at the bit saying, I need to get back to work. I feel great, thank you very much. So I have an extremely effective early treatment protocol. I have had zero failures. And by the way, it is a true statement. I and my staff have never worn a mask throughout the entire pandemic season, but I also have had absolutely zero problems with infectivity. So if you look at the evidence, I would ask the board, show me where I am a danger to society and to my patients and to the spread of coronavirus because the facts show exactly the opposite. And frankly, I would never do anything to harm my patients. They are my family. So let me go back to that question because that was a great answer, but not exactly the question uh, that, I, that I asked. Let me rephrase it. Um, Right now in the media, there is a big push for authoritative sources. So I would not be an authoritative source. Uh, Ted Koppel talked to me about um, people like him having to license people like me to be able to speak to the American people. 
there is a push to have ABC, NBC, CBS, Washington Post, New York Times. They're the authoritative source and anything that disagrees with them, then social media will weed out. So my question to you was, why are they going after you? Is it the same kind of authoritative control by a group of of doctors and a, a cutting of the ties of the individual doctor and the individual's opinions? Uh, Glenn, you're forcing me to speak the real issue. The crux of the matter is, yes, just as you say, this is at its core uh, not completely about a virus, but it is a very political issue. They are controlling me. They are trying to shut me down because I have a difference of opinion about the mask. And frankly, as I stated even at that rally, the mask is, in my opinion, a symbol of submission to a rogue government faction. That's what is at the core of this. It has nothing to do about protecting a population from a virus because the truth is, according to all of our scientific evidence, there is no data to show that it does that very thing. In fact, uh, their big argument is respiratory dropules. Uh, now, if you think about people wearing a mask, fidgeting with the mask all day long, they are spitting, if you will, into the mask all day and then rubbing it in their face, fidgeting. The Oregon Medical Board says that the primary source of contamination is touching the face. Well, everybody that wears the mask is touching their face all day long. And by the end of the day, what they are wearing is a facial diaper completely contaminated, not just with virus potentially, but with all kinds of bacteria that get rubbed on the skin. And then you have pathology caused directly by the mask and possibly increasing the risk of infection. But they don't want the public to know that. So what is... What is, where do you go from here? Well, um, I believe I started a war that I have to fight and that I must win. I am getting all kinds of support from physicians uh, across the country, uh, from people who are saying, I absolutely cannot wear a mask. This is truly a mask of tyranny. And I'm in for the duration. And all I am interested in is the truth. And I am interested in practicing evidence-based medicine without interference from my government. I am the one with a medical degree. My governor does not have a medical degree. I wish you the best of luck. We uh, stand behind your effort to have a voice and have a position and, and be a doctor. Um, and we will be following your case. Thank you so much. God bless. Thank you very much. And I appreciate it. You this is the best of the Glenn Beck program. Yesterday, I told you about a very brave teacher, a teacher that wrote to the parents of her students and said, there's something that is coming next week and you have the right to opt out. And I have opted out. I refuse to teach this. And it may cost me my job, but I'm not going to teach it. And I'm writing you this personal letter from my personal email account. So you as parents know 
I'm concerned and what my concerns are. And she went into it and she even provided the links to the videos that were included in this sex education. And she said it's not a sex education. It's actually a a sex indoctrination or relationship class. Uh, Doesn't sound like anything I want my kids in. But I mean, if you do, that's fine, I guess. Well, she was afraid she was going to lose her job. Um, I was afraid she was going to lose her job. This was a big risk on her part. I got an email late last night from this teacher, and I want to read it to you. Glenn, thank you so much for reading my letter. Sometimes we as teachers do feel alone and wonder if we should even bother speaking out. First of all, I feel the same way every day. And everybody, I have the luxury of people writing to me saying, Glenn, there are millions of us that are behind you. We feel the same way. Don't stop speaking out. Let me do you that favor and say that to you. If you feel alone, you're not. You're not. It is by design. In fact, Cheryl Atkinson and I talk about this on the podcast that's out today. Um, I interviewed her for, what, an hour or 90 minutes yesterday. She's fascinating, uh, and she knows what's really going inside the media. But I went to places I don't think anybody's ever taken her uh, and, and talked to her about feelings and opinions on different things as well as facts. Uh, and I will tell you that we have got to stand up and stand together and don't feel alone. As she said yesterday, that's by design. By design. Anyway, she said, I'm encouraged that you advocated for teachers on such a level. We need our warriors by our side to fuel us forward. We need to know that we are more than just a few tiny souls. I am thrilled to tell you that after I sent that email to approximately 90 parents, I was called into the principal's office. Yes, that trip is still intimidating. To my relief and joy, my principal assured me that she had no intention of letting me go. She is a believer herself and was disgusted by the content of the lessons. She jumped through many hoops to meet my request of being removed from any association with the sex ed curriculum. Further, she did as much as she could to put distance between the students and the curriculum and provide the parents with the only pathway for the student to access the information. I am so thankful for my principal. To give you a bit of background, we're a Title I school. I'm a lifetime resident of this area. Uh, We are living in the buckle of the Bible belt. She said many people in the area believe they're born with Bible in one hand and a shotgun, shotgun in the other. She lives in Oklahoma. She said, Tulsa, being a city, is more liberal than its suburbs. I met many uh, folks who treasure their Christian heritage and ache as the destruction of their moral fabric creeps into their students' lives. Maya Principal assured me that my job is safe right now. I'm thankful for that today. But if things change, I'm ready and I'm in peace. As for keeping my submission anonymous, I deeply appreciate the respect you showed. Most people in the media wouldn't have blinked twice at the potential consequences of divulging my information. However, I am not afraid. With God as my provider and my protector, 
My tr- my life is truly an open book, and I am okay with my name being said aloud to anyone in regards to this issue. I have nothing to hide and nothing to apologize for. I, I cannot take my job and my income, which is in fact the primary income of my family, to heaven with me someday. I will take my acts of love and answer for how I use the life gifted me. If you'd like to talk further about this, please feel free to call me anytime. Thanks for being a strong vessel of God in his service. Amy Cook. Amy, you are a remarkable godsend and a real light in the darkness. May your example inspire many others to do the same. And may this conversation that we have had without even speaking or meeting with one another, may it inspire people to know that they too need to stand and that they are not alone. In the peace of God and the peace that Christ has given us, especially at this time of year, thank you, Amy. You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program. There's uh, two controversies we're both passionate about. I'm passionate about one. Stu is passionate about the other. You're going to have to decide which one's more important. I am very passionate about Ben and Jerry's new flavor. Uh, and I'm the fattest man, except for Santa fattest man on the planet at this point. And even I won't buy it cause it's, uh, it's saluting the very, very brave Kaepernick, uh, Ben and Jerry say, Colin is just, he's the very best of us. Oh my God. And so this is your way to salute Colin Kaepernick and his anti-police stance, anti-America stance. And I think. No, you could be the last ice cream maker, and this could be the last gallon of ice cream on the planet. Answer: No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> no. Uh, even you've I mean, been hippies the whole time. I mean, I thought I would get hippie hair in some of the, you know, ice cream flavors. You know, Ben and Jerry, but mm-mm, you've gone too far. This ice cream is dead to me. And it's not actually ice cream, we should point out. It is it is vegan, uh, some sort that of... That doesn't make it better. That oh. doesn't make it better. That just means what? <laughs> what? You're, it's not even ice cream now. I was it's not, not even ice cream. I was not arguing it was an improvement. I was <laughs> No, I know, I know. But you're just, you're needling me. Mm-hmm. You're yes, needling me. I well, I'll turn about as fair, pro, fair play. You know what, Stu? Hmm. I mean... The media didn't know for sure that Hunter Biden was in trouble. <laughs> I they didn't I, they didn't know. Uh, I mean, it looked suspicious at the time. I can't take this one. Look, the Hunter Biden thing happens, and they this this story comes out in the New York Post. Again, I've written columns in the New York Post. Like uh, this, I'm not. I didn't. I wasn't like immediately d- dismissive of the New York Post, but it comes out, and it was a. It seemed like we talked about it at the time. The the. The, the the way this came about seemed very shady in that, like, really, Hunter Biden just dropped off his laptops with incriminating documents at a computer repair shop 
and then it, it mulls around for a couple years, and then a couple weeks before the election, Rudy Giuliani gets a hold of it and just releases all this stuff. It felt questionable, I would say. Not necessarily that the it information did, was questionable. It did for the first... Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the necessarily the information, because the information was verifying other things, but how it got out and yeah. was released for about maybe maybe 24 to 48 hours. Yeah, there's a reason to be skeptical, I think, generally. However, Correct. very quickly, uh, that changed. And the reason why, to me, it changed is that for some reason, and I don't know if anyone in the, the media bothered to look at this, but they didn't deny that it was his laptop. Like, when no, an crazy accusation comes out two weeks true. before an election, you come out and you say, of course that's not his laptop. This was made up by Rudy Giuliani. They did not say that. They did not say that. And the media never went to them to try to figure out if it was actually his laptop. There was never a moment where they said, you know what? None of these emails, none of these videos are true. They just said, well, this is another series of attacks against our campaign. Yeah, but wait a minute. Are they true attacks? Did these things actually happen? Because these, this is something. We broke the news we showed you the email between the guy who is the service guy mm-hmm. and Hunter Biden's attorney mm-hmm. saying, hey, could we get the email back or can we get the the the, the uh, computer back? I mean, you can't say that it wasn't his when you're asking for it back. You had multiple business partners of Hunter Biden talking about not just that Hunter Biden, who we all knew was a douche before this, but not just that he was out there doing these things, but that his dad and his dad's brother were tied into them, right? Like these were all things that not conservatives were saying, the business partners of Hunter Biden. And they were saying them on record over and over and over again. And the media did not cover it. And the reason they didn't cover it, and they foreshadowed this for literally years beforehand, because they said over and over again, they blamed themselves for Donald Trump's loss, uh, for Donald Trump's win in 2016 and the Hillary Clinton loss. They In their internal narrative of what happened in 2016, it wasn't that people were frustrated with Washington. It wasn't that a working class people were rising up. It wasn't uh, it disaffected Democrats switching sides and voting for Donald Trump. That wasn't it. What it was to the media was that they believed they spent too much time talking about Hillary Clinton's emails. They believed in their internal analysis that they focused so much on this little story because, you know, they they had scandals for Trump, but they believed and they had scandals for Hillary and they tried to even out the coverage too much. Again, this is insane. I, I, I acknowledge this. This is an insane view of the 2016 election. But the mainstream media believed that they, they gave credence to these theories about Hillary Clinton's emails and, that, and, and the FBI investigation that was tied to it. And they said, well, we're not going to let that happen again. We're not going to give oxygen to these fringe stories. And Mm -hmm. so when one came up right by the election again, that was completely legitimate that they now acknowledge there was evidence of a much wider investigation on under Biden. They just didn't cover it. And now they're paying this cost. They're saying, "Okay, now the elections happened and we'll all come out and we'll put it out there and we'll get we'll take the criticism from the right and everyone will have their headlines and we'll look like idiots, but they don't care. 
They don't care. But they, and they they're they not actually care. taking. They're not actually still not telling the truth because on that uh, on that computer that they now say, "Uh oh, looks like there's something on the computer." It is proof that Joe Biden was involved. They're only making this about taxes, mm-hmm. a diamond. And Hunter Biden, they are not even pursuing. Wait a minute. If that's true, then the stuff on the server is true. Who's the big guy? Joe Biden. So they are not actually telling the truth. No. Even yet today. Na, 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 na.